بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسول الكريم أما بعد وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله تعالى عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ليس المسكين الذي يتوف على الناس ترده اللقمة واللقمتان والتمرة والتمرتان ولكن المسكين الذي لا يجد غنا يغنيه ولا يفضن له فيتصدق عليه ولا يقوم فيسأل الناس متفق عليه This hadith brings us to the end of the chapter quite a lengthy chapter which deals with adopting moderation in one's livelihood and particularly dhammi su'al the severe warnings that the shariat has given us with regards to begging unnecessarily, stretching our hands out to others and the grave repercussions with regards to our deen and iman should this become or should this form a part of our habits and our natures. The subject matter of this hadith has been discussed previously so we won't go into too much of detail. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Laysa al-miskeen The miskeen The poor person is not that person who is turned away by a morsel or two morsels or one or two dates. This first part of the hadith in order to understand it, we have to contextualize it. The position of miskin, of being a poor person. If you look in a worldly context, this is something that will be looked down upon. People are afraid of poverty. People are afraid of having less in this world. But if you look at the noble seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the greatest human being that ever lived, with regards to him, it is mentioned Wulida Yatiman Wa'asha Fakira Wamata Miskina Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That he was born a Yatim and often he lived his life as a Fakir and he passed away as a Miskin. So the this position of maskanat of having very little in this world is not something that Shariat looks down upon. Zohad, abstinence from this dunya, is in fact a very lofty status. Obviously, we are very weak. We are not going to make dua to Allah Ta'ala, Ya Allah, make me miskeen, or make me poor, or give me less of this world. But the reality is that those who had the true love of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in their hearts, and automatically we find that that love inspired within them, Zohad anid dunya, abstinence from this world. So when this expression is given in this hadith, Laysal miskin, he is not a miskin, he is not really a poor person. What is meant here is that miskin that Shariat praises, that position of maskanat, of having less in this world, that is in fact a lofty status in keeping with the position of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says that he is not a true poor person, a miskin who begs on the street corner, somebody gives him, in the literal translation of the hadith, one or two morsels of food. 
or one or two dates, or in our terms, somebody gives him one five rand or a two rand. He is not really a miskin. Who is the miskin? وَلَكِنَّ الْمِسْكِينَ The true miskin or the true poor person is that person who does not have enough for himself. He doesn't have very much worldly means. لَا يَجِدُ غِنًا يُغْنِيهِ And with that, his conduct is such that he does not disclose in any way overtly or directly he does not disclose his position to the people. لا يسألون الناس الحافة Allah Ta'ala speaks in the Quran of such people. Sometimes a person is poor. He conceals his poverty in the sense that he doesn't stretch his hand out to anyone. He doesn't ask for help from others. But what he may do is he may wear ragged clothing. He may wear clothing with patches on it in the hope or expectation that people seeing his pitiable condition, they'll feel sorry for him and they will assist him. The position that is truly praiseworthy in Sharia is not even of that person. What is the position that truly praiseworthy is this person doesn't even reveal his situation to anyone even by way of his condition. He hides his poverty. Such is his trust and reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah only will help me. And I only want the help of Allah. I won't stretch my hand out to anyone and I won't adopt the position of somebody that if somebody sees me, they will feel sorry for me and try and assist me. وَلَا يُفْتَنُ لَهُ النَّاسِ Nabi Sallallahu says he conceals his position completely. He doesn't even adopt the hayat or manner of a person who is in maskanat فَيْتُصَدَّقَ عَلَيْهِ So that people will feel sorry for him and they will spend upon him. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Nor does he stand on the street corner and stretch his hand out to anyone. This is that type of maskanat that is praiseworthy in Shariat. We find my respected brothers in conclusion with regards to this chapter, we find there is an overall theme that recurs in many, many of these ahadith. And that is, that of what we call istighna'iyat to be completely independent of the makhluk the more we will develop within ourselves this quality human beings are such that su'al asking or placing our needs before some entity this is a natural disposition this is something natural within us from the time the child is born what does a child do? Every time the child has some need, he starts crying. So what is that? That is an appeal for assistance. Initially to the mother, that I am hungry or have some need or some pain. What does the child do? Start crying. This is part of a human nature. To place one's need or to call out for assistance when faced with a problem. True Iman or the position that we have to try and aspire to is that every time that natural instinct develops within us to call out, I am in a problem, I need assistance, some type of assistance, whatever it is, whether it is financial, whether it is physical. True Iman develops that we inculcate this habit within us that we call out only to Allah. Raise your hands in dua. Or even greater than raising your hands 
and whispering or calling out to Allah, condition your heart, condition your heart at every instance or moment to turn to Allah. And the more this habit develops within you, that when you are faced with a problem or difficulty, you turn to the makhluk, you turn to ghayrullah, then ulama tell us the greatest harm in this is that the ma'yar and the, the, the efficacy and the power of dua within us is diminished. The less we ask from the makhluk, the stronger our dua. And the more that we will ask from the makhluk, the weaker will become our reliance and trust upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because this is Allah's sunnat. Turn to his ghayr, turn to others besides Allah and Allah wukkila ilay, Allah will hand you over to that entity. So this is why we have to we find this theme recurring throughout many, many of these ahadith that develop within ourselves this quality of istighna'iyat, of total, complete reliance and trust upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We find, as I mentioned, that this hadith brings us to the end of this quite lengthy chapter. The next chapter, Imam Nawi rahimahullah, brings a very, very interesting heading. And we find that this heading is such that it makes sense in the light of the subject matter found in the previous ahadith. Babu Jawazil min masala wala The chapter which deals with the permissibility of accepting that which was given to you without you asking for it. Accepting that which was given to you without you asking for it, nor did you aspire for it. Now if you look at it logically, why does he bring this heading? Because in so many ahadith we are told, don't ask, don't stretch your hand out, don't put your expectation upon people, rely only on Allah. It is possible that now you would have reached such a level of abhorrence from turning to others, that even when you didn't ask and someone came with something, now you will feel that also is not permissible to accept. So in order to eradicate that misconception, Imam Nawi rahimullah, immediately on the cusp of what has finished, brings this heading, the chapter which deals with the permissibility of accepting that which was given to you without your asking for it, nor your aspiring or hankering for it. The narrator of the hadith, in fact it is a very brief chapter, obviously to eradicate this misconception, that is why he brought it, and just one hadith, Imam Nawi rahimullah, mentions underneath that particular heading, the narrator of the hadith is a, in this instance, is a tabi'i. As we've mentioned previously, tabi'i is a generation that came after the sahaba of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we find that with regards, very rarely there, there are hadith where it is narrated with the name of the, of the tabi'i rather than the sahabi. But in this instance, Imam Nawi rahimullah brings this hadith the narrator is Salim bin Abdullah bin Umar radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. This is in fact the grandson of Sayyidina Umar bin Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. His kunniyat or his laqab or his title or he was known as Aba Umar. This is a very very great tabi'i. It is mentioned about him in the books of Sirah al-Imam al-Faqih al-Zahid al-Abid. He's given these titles that he was an imam, 
He was a faqih. He had great position so far as being a, a, a jurist of Islam. He was a, with that, coupled with that, he was a zahid. He abstained from the dunya. And he was an abid, a great worshipper of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. With regards to Salim bin Abdullah bin Umar, the son of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and the grandson of Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Malik bin Anas, that is Imam Malik, whose book of hadith, Muwatta Imam Malik, is very, very famous. He mentions with regards to Salim bin Abdullah, لَمْ يَكُنْ أَخَدٌ أَشْبَهُ بِمَنْ مَضَى مِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ فِي الزُّهْدِ وَالْقَصْدِ فِي الْعَيْشِ مِنْ سَالِمْ كَانَ يَلْبَسُ الثَّوْبِ بِدِرْهَمَيْنِ وَهُوَ أَخَدُ الْفُقَعَاءَ السَّبْعَةِ فِيمَا عَدَّهُمْ إِبْنُ الْبُبَارَكِ رَحِمُهُ اللَّهِ With regards to Salim bin Abdullah, he says that there was no one in the seerah who was close to the sahaba and the salihin in zuhud and abstinence and moderation in livelihood than Salim bin Abdullah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Imam Malik rahimahullah goes on to explain that such was the simplicity of Salim bin Abdullah that he would wear clothes that would cost just two dirhams. In our terminology we'll say like 10 or 20 rand. That was the type of simplicity. And coupled with that he is amongst, there were seven famous jurists of Medina Munawwara who are known as Fuqahaw Sab'ah. And, Imam, and Salim bin Abdullah is counted amongst them. These seven were recognized by Abdullah bin Mubarak, rahimahullah. He passed away in the 106th year of Hijrah in Medina Munawwara. In case we've run out of time, the hadith itself, inshallah, will continue. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah,